It didn't come out right that time, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. It came out a little weird that time. Not quite. Uh, you you fell, fell out of the groove. So, hey, version 2.0, uh, number 110, right? Right? Yes. Holy crap. Yeah. So, Justin, Nick, and Jesse, the gang's all here. Hail, hail, the gang's all here. So, yeah. Hail. So, what's been going on, guys? Oh, wait. Before we, wait, before you guys go. The okay. gremlins, pers- they they persist. Yep. Shit is still going wrong. There is a channel out on our mixer. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Tomorrow? It's starting to feel like my flying season, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest. Tomorrow, I suspect, I'm going to walk out into the office where, where I sit to do my stuff. And my Mac's going to be on fire. I mean, it's fitting, right? <laughs> it just seems like that would be the logical next step. I wouldn't joke about anything right yeah, now. Yeah, I would definitely not. Yeah, you never know. You know, we do what we can, and God, sometimes it seems tough. But we're here. And uh, I've had a really boring week. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys go. <laughs> Who wants to go first? What have you been up to? I'll go first. Tell I'll go first this week. What's up, Nick? Last, what was that? Saturday. Oh, yeah, man. I drove the warp in. Like, big time. (laughs) I saw pictures, man. Nothing pleases a man better than It didn't look that bad. Doesn't matter. It was a crash compass. Yeah. That's (laughs) true. No, it wasn't. But then Sunday, Sunday was, oh, Sunday was a great day. The sun came out. Uh, there were some guys out at the field. I got out there, and you know, I uh, I'm a big enough person to admit when I do a huge epic fail, <laughs> and this is one of those times. <laughs> I, I've been mentioning um, that I, you know, have been flying the Castle Internal Gov, and that you know, with the latest revision, it has gotten better. That is. Correct. It has gotten better. Better than... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still in the classification of... Ugh. <laughs> it's been bugging me a lot. So I... You know, when I first tried the Icon, I was using uh, Castle ESC on it with the Icon Gov, and it was just amazing. I mean, it was amazing. I loved it. Loved the way it flew. Super easy to tune. It was great. And then, you know, I went through a stretch there, what, right around Snohomish, where I was 
just swapping this and that. And we were, you know, finishing up the 700DX project. And and then you got this going. And I mean, I was just swapping everything. And I started having, you know, it's like I, I just, I think I was doing so much that I lost track of what I was actually doing. And I did some updates to a bunch of stuff. And then all of a sudden the gov didn't work. And it was horrible. And I fought with it and chattering and this and that. And I mean, I spent just weeks tuning and then got to the point where I was like, screw it. I just gave up. I thought that it was a, a firmware update. Well, long story short, I it was really bugging me Saturday night. It was really, really bothering me. So I decided that I would give it another shot. Went back in. Went to turn the governor on. Went to check some stuff in the advanced menus, and lo and behold, there is that little checkbox that says "Electric Governor." <laughs> What's it was that not used checked. for, dude? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> what 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 is that used for? I mean, can you fill us in? <laughs> that is used for you want to check that box when you are flying um, an electric governor. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the name. Uh, <laughs> If not, apparently, what seems to be a negative side effect <laughs> is, <laughs> is that the governor works absolutely horrible. What I think happened is one of those updates or I had saved and reloaded a whole setup into a different icon unit. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines, because I know that I didn't turn it off, but... Everything else within the setup transferred over, but that little checkbox didn't. Right. Uh, um, from doing a lot of tuning with it, Gov, you really don't have to get into the P&I gains that much. You can, I mean, it's 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 actually set up quite well as far as the gain, you know, right out of the box on the 700 class. So I never went back in there and checked. And that is exactly what it was. And then I went, what I did is I took, let's see, when I, when I took the 7200 BX off the blade 700, I grabbed an icon off a, off of a, um, what was I, which one did I put on there first? I think it was the one on the 700 EX and then just redid the swash setup. Well, guess what? It wasn't checked in that one either. And I missed it again. Hmm. Dude. So that I mean that is what alluded to me thinking that I I just confirmed it. It's got a problem on one heli, it's got a problem on another heli. It must be the update, right? Well I just wrote it off. <laughs> I, I I mean so Sunday I go out there and I knew right when I saw that Saturday night. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> this is it. Like this is why. So I quick kind of reset my tail settings back to default through the gain at the default 50 on the gov and went out and just had a blast. Took three flights to tune the tail in on either heli. All my negative symptoms were gone. The governor worked absolutely fabulous, just like it was when I put it on for the first time. And that, I can truthfully say that that is the most fun flying I have had in months and months. Humbling. You know, it was it was a tough lesson yeah. to learn. It was a tough lesson that you get 
just so involved in stuff and too many things going on. And, you know, no matter how high you hold your skills for tuning and tweaking and troubleshooting, uh, everyone <laughs> makes dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb mistakes. Uh. I mean, I felt like such a fool. <laughs> but tis uh hey at tis. least you can admit it dude oh yeah no it, it was it was all me and, and i had that was when um it was like put two flights on the blade 700x oh my gosh okay the tail's tuned the sun's out screw it we're taking a video i was so i didn't want to crash like i i was <laughs> selfish safe dude i was selfishly like i'm not going to do anything that's going to even remotely risk crashing. And you guys know that's not me. I'm always game for <laughs> for doing throwing down and doing oh, something. Oh yeah, dude, dumb. that's what you do yeah, is drive definitely. it in. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was so timid. It was like two flights. I'm loving it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun. I just want to fly 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 fly. Hey, you can take a video, but whatever. <laughs> it's just going to be a hover. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I was <laughs> having fun, and and I hadn't really been, you know, I haven't been hitting the sim. I haven't been doing a whole lot of progression when I've been flying, uh, because I just truthfully haven't been, over, you know, super happy with how my models were were flying. And so, hey, it is what it is. You get what you get for a video. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, past that, you know, I'm still. Oh, dude, I had a power supply die. Well, hmm, there's there's a little caveat to that. <laughs> I had one quit on me. I brought it home. I took it apart. And apparently, this this is my diagnosis. I had it sitting on the ground next to, like, my wooden work table where I do all my soldering and stuff. And I might have, when I opened it up, found this ginormous blob of solder. <laughs> oh, no, dude. <laughs> that I was not at Ouch. home rattling around inside that thing. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It didn't. I, I don't know. Once I got the solder out, it powered back up. It seemed okay. I swapped it out already. I actually did that last night. I got it all swapped out for another one. And I'm going to leave that one here for home charging. But... You know, I'm. It's kind of a week of <laughs> a week of fails for for Oops, Nick. So All these was this real... the uh, one of the new nine hundred watt ones? Yeah, and it was very obvious. I mean, this was a this was a blob of solder, which it's like you get done, you get done soldering like a large ten gauge wire. And for me, I have a concrete floor, so as soon as I get done doing that, I just reach over and flick the solder tip off onto the ground. That's exactly what yep. I do. Yep, and uh, and you know, and if I'm you know really intensely soldering, I'll just flick it there on the table, and then I wipe off the table. Well, the direction that I always wipe it, <laughs> the case, I, I that's the only thing I can conclude because it was very obvious. This was well, that a makes sense. Very large, perfectly like half spherical shape with a smooth bottom. <laughs> like that came off my table. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So now that I've got that all squared away, uh, really, 
awesome friend of ours, Chris Trevery, he sent me some sheets of black PVC. So I am currently creating a template, and I'm going to start whittling away at my own custom deck lid. I am super, super pumped for that one. I'm going to do some... I'm just taking my time. Still in that mood of taking my time. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much been... Let's see. Yeah, pretty much been my week. Hopefully, hopefully the weather holds out a little bit tomorrow. Um, I don't have the war back together. I'm just going to take my sweet time doing that. Who's next? Justin's week was the standard Justin week lately. No fly. No fly. Bad weather. That's my excuse. Sticking to it. And uh, But I did get to spend some time working on my charging case. So you guys know I'm I've elected to go away from the typical, you know, Pelican case style charging system because I found this really cool utility box. I you know, I I guess I'd call it a utility box or a toolbox that has a little handle and you can roll it around on the ground and it opens up like a like a clamshell uh to expose this huge inner like compartment, right? And mm-hmm. so I've been using mm-hmm. this lately with my older 550 watt supplies, the really long skinny ones that you get from Feather Merchant. And it works perfectly fine. Uh still not a lot of room in there once you get the chargers in there. So when we found these 900 watt HP supplies, uh I was actually quite excited because it means I can get more room in there to stick, you know, packs or the transmitter, that sort of a thing. I keep my laptop in there, the charger. And so what I've been doing is a little bit each night going in there, I've got this super awesome foam, which Nick knows about. And I think, did I give you some of that foam, Jesse? No, I, I only wish you would have given me some. Because ah. <laughs> I, I do know about the foam, but I I didn't get any. Freaking so. rocket foam's awesome. <laughs> Dude, it is awesome foam. It's foam that we use to uh, pack certain items at the rocket shop. And uh, this particular foam wasn't uh, needed anymore. And so I grabbed a bunch of it because they were going to throw it away. They, they said, hey, come and take it off our hands, otherwise it's going in the trash. And so, of course, the first thing I think of is RC crap. So I gave some to Nick. I thought I gave some to Jesse. Either way, this stuff's amazing. It's super dense. It's easy to cut. And so what I've been doing is sort of custom sizing bits of foam in there to get the power supplies set up in one corner. I've got a couple of pieces of plexiglass that I'm using to sort of protect the supplies and also uh, build or establish sort of a um, like an air tunnel there for, for the fans to keep things cool. And then the foam goes in there with a couple of different holes for the laptop now. And I had one already for the transmitter, but I changed it a little bit so it's easier to get at. So yeah, anyway, it's not done yet, but it's coming along and I'm liking the way it looks. Uh, it's it's not going to be as cool looking as your guy, your guys with the deck lids and the lights and all of that crap. But I think at the end of the day, <laughs> it'll work out better for me because the top two clamshell pieces, as you guys know, actually have little tiny compartments with like 
cups or containers in them that I can use to put parts. Yeah. So spare parts and yep. stuff. And that helps a lot. That way I can actually bring spare stuff to the field. So, yeah, I've been working on that. Also, I spent a grand total of one hour building the rave last weekend. That's that's the only time I got Ooh, wow. to sit down. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> don't stretch yeah, don't, yourself. Yeah, don't yeah, rush I, it. I know. Do I know. I know. But did you stretch? <laughs> did you stretch? I did stretch first. <laughs> yep. Yep. Before I did before stretch, I warmed up a little bit. I ran around the block. Get the blood plenty flowing. Of, plenty of fluids. And, uh, but dude, here's the thing. I've got an airframe already. It's fully built up. It, the airframe is, the engine's in. The only thing I got to do is the tail assembly and the head and do some programming. I mean, it went together that quickly. Nice. Super awesome quality. Hmm. This is the first uh, Curtis Heli that I've personally owned and built. Super great quality on all the parts, the aluminum, the plastic, the carbon fiber. The one thing I got to say, though, is this plastic, and Nick, you probably know what I'm talking about, is the best freaking plastic I have ever seen in a heli kit. It's like a high gloss, very smooth, very yep. precise looking plastic. It doesn't have the weird mold, you know, like mold lines on it. It's very hard. Uh, it's not sort of the squishy stuff. You can't just dent it with a fingernail or something like that. So pretty darn impressive. So I'm hoping I can get that guy finished up this weekend. It looks like there may actually be decent weather on Sunday in the afternoon. So that's going to be my target for flying here. I really liked mine. I mean, it flew great. It just yeah. it needed a couple, you know... I actually had high hopes for the ballistic. It's, you know, it's a really smart design. I mean, Curtis, he he thought of a lot of different things in this. Uh, one of the things that I was particularly impressed with is that he includes multiple uh, what what amount to frame stiffeners. They're these little plastic cross braces. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he puts he he designs into the airframe multiple locations where those can be put depending on how hard you're going to beat the heli and yeah. then you can buy hmm. extra ones after market to stick in there to stiffen up the frame i thought to the the minute i saw that i thought holy crap a line should have done this because how many aligned birds between the two of us nick have we gone out and done ourselves by buying a crap load of those aluminum frame braces oh yeah and just drilling yeah. holes everywhere and tightening things up Yep, and it it actually it makes a big difference it on a does, wide frame dude. heli like that. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, hopefully that guy uh, gets finished up this weekend and maybe even gets maidened. We will see. And that's uh, that's nice. pretty much that's pretty much it for me, guys. It's been uh, it's been a slow week. <laughs> How about you, Jesse? What have you been up to? And it's see, I've been flying and not doing so much other stuff like these guys have been. So, <laughs> no, last you know, pretty pretty typical week. Last weekend, went out to the field Saturday, and it was one of those days where you know you get out there. Probably got out to the field ten in the morning or so, and it's already you know upper forties when I get out there. So, for this time, you know, this time of year, this around here, that's just awesome weather. So. 
I'd take advantage of that. And I think if I if I counted correctly, like twenty five or twenty six flights in. I mean, I was out of the field like five. I was just camping there. You know, it was one of those days. Wake up, pack a lunch, maybe bring some dinner, because you just know you're gonna be out there all day just banging flights out. So, so yeah, that I'm so was jealous. <laughs> Well, it, it didn't. It didn't happen on Sunday, but you know, I, I saw. Yeah, I got in like twenty-five flights on Saturday. Mostly do. I mean, I just gotta say, I'm loving having four helis. I mean, that's you know, all four helis are flying great right now. So just having that ability to go out to the field, having the generator, keeping packs charging. You know, when it's when it's nice like that, and you're the only one out there, you can really bang out a lot of flights because oh, yeah. you, you don't have to take a pause in between any flights or you know nothing. So just keep right on going, but. I'm jealous. Then, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what I can do this weekend. I don't know. I've I've high hopes, so maybe maybe we can break that 25. But if if the if the weather holds, so and then on Sunday, I unfortunately did not get out to fly. I had a ton of homework to do, and the weather just wasn't wasn't very good. It got really cloudy, rain just on and off all day. So didn't make it out last Sunday. So that's that's pretty much it for flying wise, and then there's a, a little bit of other stuff. I know I'd been talking about the last couple of weeks, get, trying to find some way to fly in the winter because kind of in the same situation as Dan, it gets really cold here, and I really don't want that to stop me from flying this winter. Hopefully, get out, you know, at once a weekend over throughout the whole winter. So ended up finding a killer deal on the Radio Warm transmitter glove, Ooh. and so that that actually just showed up yesterday. And, and I am very, very impressed. I mean, it, it, it pretty much just puts the Hobby King one to absolute shame. Oh, um, the one we've with, been using for the last couple of years? The crappy Turnigy one? Yeah. I mean, this thing fully insulated. It's got, you know, your stiffeners on the side. Nothing can collapse down and hit your hands. Um, the guy that I bought it from actually has a little carbon rod installed in there just to, you know, extra support, just making sure nothing's going to collapse. And... uh Man, I got, you know, it has little cuffs on it, right, where you put your, your arms in. So that's going to stay nice nice and tight against your arms. No wind's going to get in there and hit your hands or nothing like that. So, I, you know, I, I see my hands staying very warm in there. And then even after I'm done flying, it's staying warm in there just by itself because those cuffs, it's kind of elastic. So it just kind of closes up and then it's sealed. Oh, okay. I got you. So there's not like two big, like three-inch holes. No, it's, it's literally tunnel. like you Velcro these you velcro these deals in there and it, it looks like the sleeve on a sweatshirt you know how it's all oh, elastic yeah, yeah. on the end yeah it's just like that so put your hands in through that and you know instantly you can just feel it all seals up so and what is the, I, what brand is this the radio warm hmm yeah, so define good deal because it's pretty uh, pricey if you just yeah, buy I think it. you said you bought it from a guy right yeah, I bought it used. Um, the guy said he hardly used it at all, which it, it shows. It looks brand new. The you know, not many scratches on the the window or anything. I got it for forty bucks shipped. Oh, good deal! Wow, good deal. Yeah, I, I jumped on that. What one. Are they, so what, do you know what they I, I was kind of kicking around. I think they're seventy or seventy five, <sighs> and that's not. And that's you got to buy them overseas. So who knows how much ship? I, yeah, I, I never really looked in all the way into purchasing one. I just saw. Like that's the initial cost. I'm not sure if that's with shipping, if you got to pay extra or yeah. whatnot. But so I'm I'm definitely stoked about that. So that should be great to try that. So hopefully get out get out this weekend and give that a go and see how it works. 
I'm really curious. I'm curious to yeah, all the yeah, the other thing I really liked about it is so you know the the Turnigy one, you know how you have to feed your neck strap through the window and mm-hmm. then hook it onto your transmitter? Yeah, yeah. So this one has like a very rigid base. I mean if you know, you, you can't really bend it or flex it or anything. And then the neck strap is kind of built into it and it's actually hooked on either side of the window. So when you put it on, it's actually holding the window up away from your hands. So your your transmitter is just sitting in there. It's not actually connected to your neck huh. directly. Does that so what, that makes it a lot better? Does that too. feel so that, weird? Because I mean, you, me, and you fly very similar as far as mm-hmm. have to have a neck strap, and yeah. So and no, pinch. it's still it's still a normal neck strap. It's still just a normal neck strap. But it, instead of hooking directly to the transmitter, it loops around and hooks on either side of the window. So then when you're flying, it keeps that wind, you're, you're basically pulling the window up away from your fingers. Yeah. So, it, you know, cause I, I absolutely cannot stand trying to fly with the transmitter glove and have anything in contact with my fingers. Yeah. So, but that was kind of cool too. Hmm. I shall let you know. We'll see. I actually think I'm probably going to overtake the no fly moniker. Uh, that bad. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty Uh-oh. sure I'm going to be cutting my own damn hand off here pretty soon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, uh, Ouch. I, I think in the last three weeks, I've got two flights in. And they were abbreviated at best. I just, <laughs> I just can't hold on to my transmitter. I just... Uh, and I use an X-Strap too, and I don't necessarily hold my transmitter, but I can't manipulate my hands to fit around and pinch the my left hand. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's not, not that I'm yeah, holding yeah. it, but I just yeah. can't. I can't move my fingers. Can you at least thumb it instead of I pinching? I can't do anything with that hand, dude. I can't move. The thumb oh, can't, I can't dude. move my thumb at all. Um, so, yeah, I've been dealing with that. So it, it kind of sucks because... You guys are talking about your charging case. I've got my charging case. I got all the bits and bobs sitting over here in the corner. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've got, hmm. I can't do, yep. uh, I got that uh, DFC head, Nick, that you sent me. Can't do a damn thing about, can't yeah, do a yeah. damn thing about it. You know? Uh, oh, man. Yeah, it's just, it's not a good place. I don't know. You know, the thing of it is, is um, there's still plenty of other things to do, like, I don't know. Watch movies. <laughs> I just can't do anything helicopter. Yeah, but I mean, it's bad enough not being able to fly. Yeah, but it's rough. You got to be able to sim and, and wrench and. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, can't stay sim, involved. Can't wrench. Uh, dude. So what's what's the? I don't know, man. What's gonna happen here, man? Well, here's the best case scenario. Um, best case scenario is I hear back from the surgeon again. I was supposed to hear from him last week. He did. I did hear from him once, but it was it was a real quick. Well, let me get back to you Thursday. Well, I never heard back from him on Thursday. Called his office and he was out. And uh, b- basically, what they're going to have to do, and this is the cool part, if they do it, I'm going to try to video have it videotaped, and we're going to mm-hmm. put it on YouTube. The surgery of my wrist. Oh. Oh, nice. um, sweet. Sign me up for one to not watch that. <laughs> so they got to get in there, and what they're thinking they're going to do is a full wrist fusion. 
So that'll take away quite a bit of uh, flexibility and, you know, uh, range of motion. But at least I'll be able to move my fingers and, and uh, you know, manipulate shit like a radio. Because... <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking that Curtis radio is actually sounding pretty good now. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh yeah, 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 the yeah. one with the big dial on it for rudder. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I really don't it's kind of a it's I really feel like I'm in limbo. Uh so I got to kind of live vicariously through <laughs> what you guys are doing cuz I just can't I just can't Dude, that sucks. I mean, uh you know, like it's just tough, but so yeah, I really haven't been doing anything heli related uh, other than trying to keep up uh, various forums that I am able to go to and uh, continually chatting with listeners and and trying to keep involved that way. And looking forward to next year. I mean, you know, we got we got a plan for next year. So I'm hoping by spring everything's kind of back to normal. So we'll see as normal as it can be. I guess. Jeez. Well, we we wish you our best. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Yeah, that sucks. Definitely. You know, it is. I I will. Uh, Have you gotten any second opinions? Uh, well, yeah. That the this doctor that I'm working with now is currently the third opinion. Ah, so there's no question. I mean, if you look at the X-ray and the MRIs and the CAT scans, you, I mean, there's just no doubt. I mean, you can look at it and say, "Wow." That is a truly messed up wrist you have. So, yeah, you know, we got to do something about it. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) Pathetic, isn't it? Well, that sucks. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll just keep keep on keeping on and uh, stay involved as best I can. And, uh, you know, you never leave the hobby. Even if you can't, you know, it's always a part of us. And there comes a time in people's lives when they can't, do what they want to do with the hobby but nonetheless mentally you're in the game you know what i mean you you just you just keep on keeping on and that's yeah. kind of what yep. uh yep. that's kind of what i'm gonna have to do so yeah well, dan no fly all yeah hey you know <laughs> if if push comes to shove oh god can can't even believe that these words are coming out of my mouth but <laughs> maybe i'll fly down there and at least come hang out and we'll we'll do some building and stuff like that I actually think I, I'm going to go to the field tomorrow, and um, I'm going to try holding my radio another way. Um, I think that if I can, if I can, I mean, I don't know how to explain this, but imagine putting your hand over the collective stick mm-hmm. and yeah. spreading your pointer finger and the next finger over and jamming the stick to the webbing of your palm, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And forcing dude. it to stay in there and then just literally learning to fly like that. Now, the problem is I'm going to have to reconfigure my radio for some very important switches that I use, idle up in particular. I was going to say, you, <laughs> yeah. please make sure you think about the switch assignment first because that would be horrible <laughs> if you flip the wrong thing at the wrong time. I suggest trying it on the sim first. Yeah, well, I you know I'm not too worried about it because if I just pick it up in a hover, I I don't you know as long as I don't try to do anything silly, I think I'll be all right. I mean, all I'm going to have to do is figure out what I'm going to do with the idle up switch. But 
the simple matter of the fact is if you want to fly, you'll figure out a way to do it. Oh, dude, oh, absolutely. absolutely dude. And so, yes, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And actually, if anybody out there has any pointers, and you know what I'm thinking is, if I knew, and you guys might know, what the thread of the gimbal on the Futaba radio is, and if I could find or have something threaded to match that thread to extend that gimbal so it's like four inches high, mm-hmm. so I could have plenty of room to move my hand over switches and not necessarily feel like I'm going to hit switches, mm-hmm. ah, just to gotcha. extend that gimbal mm-hmm. yeah, dude. three or four inches. I don't know. I'm just, I've been thinking about that kind of stuff. I've been thinking about the Curtis Young Blood Radio. Because I honestly feel that uh, things are definitely going to change this this winter. And uh, it's going to have to kind of be a reapproach to flying in the spring. Yeah. And- what about a tray style radio? Have you thought of that? Or is that not going to give you the op? I mean, is that. Are you going to be able to turn your wrist? No, I don't. I I don't know. I don't. We've not gone over the implications of range of motion completely because right now we're not focused on that. We're focused on pain relief, you know? Right, Mm -hmm. right. Um, The doctors basically are like, look, right now our goal is to make it so you can function daily without being in severe pain all day long. Range mm-hmm. of motion is you kind know of what, secondary, to, to be honest with you. You know what I just thought mm-hmm. of? I've got one of those trays, and that's what uh, it, it's what Auden uses when he's on the sim because the radio is just too big. too big for his little hands to hold and get his thumbs up on the gimbals. So I put it all in a radio tray, and it just kind of made me wonder the the sides, like the rests. The you know the hand rests on the side. They're actually adjustable vertically. Oh, you know one. what? You got a good point. I wonder if you couldn't just basically rest your arm. Yeah, that's what that I was getting. Elevate yeah. it. You know, take that, that way it's out of the way of the switches. Yeah, take that. Take that rest and stuff. adjust it up, and then you know, then you could be up above the gimbal. And, you know, you would basically use that pad as kind of like a, a sliding thing. You know what right. I mean? But also, you know, if, if you know, if that's obviously the first step before you go and retool your entire fleet. Yeah. But if that doesn't work, what I was thinking, uh, aside from just the tray itself, Dan, I w- I'm actually talking about like the tray style radios you know like the european style like the dx10 dx10 or a a jetty Jetty. dc16 and the reason i say that is because it's not just the style being suited for a tray but the gimbals are larger Mm -hmm. the the switches are located differently like if you look up the dc16 it's got some pretty awesome features on it and in fact I believe one of them is that the right gimbal stick has a rotating thing on it, just like the Curtis radio. It's not as big as Curtis's. And then the left stick has a press button on top of it. You know the only downfall to it? We would have to sell my son in order for you to be able to get that radio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, 
<laughs> hey, it's only fifteen hundred. I bucks. would definitely last radio you'd ever need. I would look at that and see. The thing of it is, is I was thinking if I could come up with something like that with the rudder on that on the right hand in a turning motion. If it were just collective with with the left hand, would be super easy to handle. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, the point is, is I think. With a little perseverance and just figuring it out, it's gonna. I'll be able to do it. I'm not worried about. I, I I can tell you this. I am not worried about never being able to fly a helicopter. That, that that doesn't even. That thought doesn't even cross my mind. It's just gonna be figuring out how to do it, <laughs> because the wrist is gonna change a lot when they fuse it. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of motion range of motion that's just not going to be there anymore so it's just going to have to be figuring it out and i will well hopefully they get it done soon that that's that would be the antsy part for me like you said i'm not really worried about how i end up flying in the end but let's just get it to that point so i can start (laughs) yeah and you know know, doctors are getting it figured out yeah working on it you know how doctors are they're like well that's such a severe last case scenario let's let's make sure we explore all the options first and and mm-hmm. so they are doing that they're running some tests and they've you know various like rheumatoid tests and and other types of uh autoimmune tests and um you know it's just working its way through till the doctors are confident that that the last resort mechanically adjusting or mechanically fixing the wrist and that's exactly how he put it. He's like, you know, he's a bone surgeon. He's like, I'm the carpenter. You know, I don't do the finish work. You know, those you need to. We need to go to doctors that handle the autoimmune, the wiring aspect of things. Mm-hmm. He said, but I'll be able to fix it mechanically. I could, I could put your hand on the table right now and put, you know, cut you open. And next week, <laughs> the only pain you'll have is, you know, suture pain. But, you know, mm-hmm. we just got to work our way through it. So, you know, it's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, we, we deal with it. I've been dealing with a little weird shit like this with this autoimmune disease for a long time. So, you know, it is what it is. And here we are. We'll get through it. Well, good for you for keeping your chin we'll get up. get through it. It's tough. I'm not, oh, yeah. not going to lie. Keep positive, man. I, uh, I, I'm a little, you guys, these guys might be able to attest to I'm a little, little short <laughs> right now. I, I get a little pissy. <laughs> Pretty quickly, <laughs> but kind of a little maybe. I'm, a, I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm in a little bit of a little bit of pain. Not going to deny that, but uh, we'll get through it. Alrighty, guys. Well, that's enough about me. We'll, we'll get through this, and life goes on. But more importantly, I think we should probably get some news done. What do you guys think? I think it's news. It time. is indeed news time. Do it. And guys, this week's news. Hey, what are you interrupting me? <laughs> Didn't we go over the rules? You can't. You can't talk through that. <laughs> you can't talk through that. He says. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see the big deal here. <laughs> Power through. If there's one thing I've learned since I've gotten into this hobby, it's that if you're going to buy it, buy it once and buy quality. With my recent purchase of the iCharger 4010 Duo. I feel like not only did I get quality, but I'm going to get exceptional charging performance. So if it's time to upgrade your charging system, buy it once, buy it right, 
www.progressiverc.com. This week's news, guys, is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, Oops your daily hoes. RC helicopter news magazine. I did it. I went through. Yeah. I powered through. Yeah. See? Yeah, you were prepared this time. <laughs> All right, Nick, what do you got for news? <laughs> All right, so we've got a, a bunch of awesome pictures that came out, uh, build pictures of the new KDS Agile 5.5. I'm not even going to attempt this name. It's no, Do it, do it. That's what okay. we do here. Because why not? You got it. Yeah. Uh, Witcherid Ridbamrung. <laughs> Witcherid Ridbamrung. <laughs> Say that uh, three or no. four more times, dude. Dude, I barely got it out <laughs> twice. I think you got the first name, but you're screwing up the last one. That's okay. Ridbamrung? Oh, that sounded pretty authentic. I feel like I should throw an accent in there, but I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> and you might end up being offensive if you choose poorly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to err on the side of caution this week. And uh, <laughs> I think you're correct. So anyway, there's some really detailed photos, uh, you know, going through the head, the tail, the frame layout, everything. Uh, you know, I really like the looks of this heli. I, I just, I think it shows a lot of promise. I like the the servo layout, the motor mount setup. It's just, it's really clean, and I haven't heard, you know, I really haven't heard too much of anything negative about the 7.2, so I don't know if you guys are curious about it. There's it looks like to... a pretty sweet layout. I mean, it, it looks a lot like a scaled-down 7.2, not surprisingly. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to say what everyone else has been thinking, Okay. Look through the pictures. There's a bottom plate. They tried to spice it up a bit by giving it its name on the carbon fiber, A5.5. Except the problem is that their font wasn't chosen all that well, and it kind of looks like ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean figuratively. Oh, I mean, oh literally, God. it looks like the word ass that's oh. awesome it's got ass on the bottom it has ass on the bottom of the helicopter so <laughs> only you uh, would focus on yeah. that. don't let that detract from your opinion of the heli i think it adds might character. even be a selling point yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ass. so then can you walk out to the fly line and have someone be like hey Smack that ass. <laughs> yeah, dude. I like it. Uh, Get out there and smack that ass. Uh, he's hitting that ass hard. I went there. Yeah. <laughs> Back that ass oh, up. Oh, man. That's right. Woo. Okay, so moving on here. Thunder Tiger, they've got a new fly barless system out. It's called the GT 5.2. You know, features-wise, from what I see here, probably the coolest thing is the little touch screen on the top. You're not going to need a computer to set it up. It's The downfall is that I don't see that it has, like, any of the other cool features. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see a governor, and it... it blatantly says right here no self level 
It is not a self-leveling training system for beginners and cannot be used in combination with flybar helicopters. See, I, this is not new, right? Didn't, well, the GT didn't they have the five point one or the five point yes. like a yeah. year or two ago? They did, and it's not even a touch screen. Just to be clear, it's got a little like capacitive touch sensitive swiper thing on the side. Oh, and okay. you kind of like rub on the metal, and it does what you want it to do, or something like that. <laughs> does, does, does its thing? Yeah, I'm not going to read any more into yeah, that. I don't know. I don't. I just don't see the the wow factor here. They they probably could have done a little bit better on the advertising too, right? Because the the intro is GT five is a high performance three axis gyro system designed for flying flybarless model helicopters. It is not a self leveling training system for beginners and cannot be used in combination <laughs> with flybarred helis. So I mean that information is certainly useful. But they probably should go back to marketing class <laughs> Not in the and first realize paragraph. that was supposed to be an asterisk at the bottom in small print. I I feel like it was stated with. Some I was going to say that first part it. feels like a bit of a jab. Yeah, like yeah. quit freaking asking me because it doesn't have a damn self level. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, so. Nick Maxwell, you know, uh, earlier, a little bit, little bit earlier this year, he came out uh, with the first Helix Blades, which were 695s. Yep. Yep. Now we're looking at 715s, and he put out a video flying those. Once again, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm, I think I might be headed in this 710 direction. 710, 715 direction. I'm kind of thinking so. I like that hmm. that lighter disc loading. And now that the... It almost seems like they're putting more effort into the blades. Like, have you ever flown... And I'm not going to name brands. But I've flown some brands of blades that... The 690s were actually... They flew really well. But like the 710s... They... Now, obviously, there's a difference because they're 710s, but they actually felt a lot worse, even on an electric. And, and it's almost like they just put a whole bunch of effort into how mm-hmm. the 690s fly for hard 3D, but they just got it, ah, this will work for 710s. Yeah. So I'm hoping, and, and I could see that with these blades. You know, he's going to put, a obviously, the right amount of time into it and... I don't know, man. I, if I could just get over the price tag on them, I really want to try a set. I just remember going, "Ooh, man, that's." <laughs> um, on top of that, ASRC, uh, so which is you know kind of like the electronics division of Thunder Tiger or the company that does all Thunder Tiger's electronics, uh, they have teamed up like pretty much most of everyone else at this point with Castle. Offering some kind of like power power packs or power combo kits to go along with the E700. I'm not, you know, the motor that's in here is kind of interesting. It's not very powerful. With max efficiency current 20 to 65 amps, 
I don't know. It may not mm-hmm. need to be though, given how light that that helicopter yeah. is. You know, that's that's very fair. That is very very fair. And and even anything that's you know quote unquote not that impressive as far as power is still plenty. Yeah, we're talking about kilowatts here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, still. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, I, you know, I see a lot of people, uh, I mean, a lot of companies going with Castle. They seem to be getting pretty consistent, and they're probably the number one manufacturer that I think is, like, they're pushing. I mean, they make a lot of changes and a lot of uh, progression. How about that? Yeah, they're definitely not yeah. sitting there and stagnating. They're trying to improve. Improve yes. their products, improve the reliability, the support, everything across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. Also, or in addition, should I say, to that, uh, Thunder Tiger has released the new Raptor G4.1. You know, it's just, really, it's got a couple small things that are different. Uh, a little bit different frame sides on it. So you can get uh, like the Redline RL100H engine or OS engine in there on a, like a 115 tooth. Uh, some different tail grips on it. Just some small bits and pieces. They didn't um, change the canopy though, dude. I know. <laughs> Is that not just like the ugliest canopy? Still does. Sorry, Thunder Tiger. I really do respect your products, but your canopy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice way to put it. I was I was waiting for so much worse. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So speaking of Castle, you know, we we're talking about them constantly progressing, making new things. Now they've expanded the Talon line. So they started out with the Talon 90, which, again, the big features on these are the higher amperage BEC. Now they've got Talon 35, Talon 25, and what is that? Talon 15, even. Yeah. So now we're talking getting into the multi-rotor, small park flyer stuff, sub-micro helis. Yeah, which, you know, me and Jesse were actually talking about this week. Yep. Uh, Since I found out that the servos, the factory compass servos in the warp will handle 7.4 volts, my first thought was put a BEC on it, and then I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got a 60 amp, you know, the compass is basically a YGE 60. That, in my opinion, is way overkill for a 6S450. Like, big time. Yeah, like double. Yeah, yeah, like double, (laughs) exactly. So, rather than add a BEC onto that, I'm going to pull that off, get one of these Talon 35s, use the BEC inside of it to run my servos at 7.4, and then all I have to do is add a small, lightweight phase sensor. Can it run? I thought that the BECs on these guys were only like 5 or 6 volts. Uh, I... Wow. You know what? You caught me not knowing. BEC voltage, oh, 5.5 volts. It's not adjustable. Well, crap. There went. <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> there went everything. There went. Stomped yeah. all now sorry, I have to dude. rethink it all. <laughs> Jeez. Once again, uninformed foot and mouth. 
hey, you were on a roll. I, I wanted to see if you were going somewhere with it, and then I figured I'd drop the bomb. Thank you. That's what oh, good friends timing. do, right? Great we timing. keep each other in check. That's right. Well, at any rate, I think they're cool. Even if it's not going to work for my application, the more options out there, I mean, really, the better. Now, have you got... Okay, so can one of you guys explain to me, or maybe, Dan, you might know. This is an older name. Grobner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? I don't know specifically. I do know that Gropner was... When I used to do plankers, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. I remember seeing and buying Gropner fuel tubing and Gropner um, accessories for building mm-hmm. planes. Specifically, for what I, I'm probably way wrong here, but I think, and again, it's been a long time. I think that Gropner was like a division of Habico. Okay. But I don't I they're a German company. I, I don't know about their affiliation with Maybe Habico was maybe Habico was like the importer. I don't know. But I it seems I don't know why I feel like they were connected. But again, could be way off. Don't remember. At any rate, they I, I found this post and it is all let's see, it's in Chinese. And you can translate, and I'm I'm not even going to do that. But they've got this charger. It's a dual port charger. This thing is like insane. It's <laughs> it stands vertical, almost like like an external hard drive. That's what it kind of reminds me of. It's like a you know big three terabyte hard drive you'd set up on your desk. It's got this small color screen on the front. The ports out of the front. I mean, as far as looks, I don't think when, I've seen a charger that looks cooler. It is by far the sexiest yeah. damn charger I have ever seen. Yeah, but I mean, it has a far. touch screen <laughs> that comes with a plastic stylus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, instantly oh. you have Justin's attention when you <laughs> include a stylus. <laughs> and I actually did do the translation, and it's horrible. It's funny. There's a lot of fu- if if you guys want to laugh, and you got five or ten minutes, do the translation. But it's uh, it, I think it's an 800 watt charger. So dual, uh, let's see, dual 400s. It's not clear in the translation. It says, well, let's see here. Polaron EX 800 watt power station itself is a charger. But here to remind you, if you want to reach full power output of 800 watt, input at least to 1,000 watt. So I think it's a it's 800 total. So it would be two 400 okay. watt channels. You know, hmm. what it looks like they really, and, and I think that naming up there is the key, that power station. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the back, it's got like the servo testing port, like the iCharger does. It's got a USB, USB, a USB out. We're not talking mm-hmm, USB yeah. in, a USB out. Yep, I can. Yep. I could seriously see this being a charger that that is like my home charger because the footprint on top of a table is so freaking small. Oh yeah, dude. yeah. 
I mean, you could set this thing. Nuts. Can you imagine? Okay, 800 watts. Can you imagine one of those small DPS power supplies sitting down, this thing sitting on top of it? Done. Enough to charge it. Done. <laughs> but I don't, it's not going to go in a case. Yeah, not mounted yeah, vertically this like one, that. This, you're right. That's a really good point. This probably doesn't make all that much sense for, for a case. This probably is better for either a loose charger that, you know, you pull in and out of a, a box, a toolbox when you get to the field or just leaving it at home. Yeah. Well, I guess if, you know, if that's your setup out at the field, if you, you know, you don't want a, an actual charging case or you don't have a place that you permanently mount your chargers, uh, then this could make sense. You know, at, Yep. The 800 watts is a little less than impressive for me, you know, but uh, I it, it, I give it a 10 you're on still, looks alone. Yeah, you're still going to charge a 6S pack, you know, a 6S 5000 in 25-ish minutes or or thereabouts. I mean, no, it's not, it's not a 4010 Duo, but the 4010 Duo looks like crap compared to this. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be curious to see if we if we end up getting this in the United States, because I I would like I like I would seriously consider this for at home. It's it's just that cool look. So this is my favorite statement in the translation. Are you guys ready for this? Shoot, go for it. Chargers <laughs> side possessing a stylus. If the fear of dirty finger touch screen beautiful. You can use the stylus to perform all operations. <laughs> nice. Oh, Google Translate. Yep. Touchscreen, thanks to all operations to handle the touch response is good. Finger stylus can be. It's it's like it's like uh, Yoda on crack trying to explain this charger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that nice. that's all i got for news anybody else have any news i've got news let's hear it straight from team mks they have recently released the hv 777 servos so for those of you guys who are familiar with the original HV-767 series. These are the coreless titanium gear servos. This is an upgrade to it. Uh, they're Again, they are coreless. They're not brushless motors. But uh, if you know anything about them, they're very reliable, super powerful servos. These new 777s, you know, they advertise them. MKS Taiwan advertises them as mostly for large-scale aircraft, that sort of a thing. Because if you look at their stats, they're very, very impressive. We're talking about over 450-inch ounces of torque at, at 2S voltage, 38 kilogram centimeters at 8.2 volts. Speed's a little bit slower as a result, right? Uh, at 8.2, you're at 0.1. But uh, these things are beefy as hell 0.0008 millisecond dead ban they've got dual ball bearings chrome titanium alloy gears 
So, and if you compare this back to the HV-767s, the new 777s are a little bit better on stats. And I suspect there's also an improvement in the electronics and the motor itself. These would be, I think, quite quite honestly, these would be great uh, servos for running a larger helicopter. Maybe scale, maybe some of the bigger 800s yeah, with the heavier airframes. Yeah. A good you know, option... For if you don't have the money to go to like an X8, yes, the X8s are yeah. obviously the new flagships, and they are brushless uh, and and have tons of of torque. But these guys are a bit more reasonable in price. I think they're going to go for around one thirty to one forty a piece. Okay. So uh, pretty darn reasonable, and you get the same reliable servo that you uh, that you always do when you get get something from mkf so yeah check them out if you're looking for those heavier duty servos jesse i know you have some news uh not this week nothing you disappoint man you disappoint as usual <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll, uh, I'll work on it i'll see i'll see what i can sweet. dig up for next week that's that's good <laughs> uh, i look forward to hearing what it is you're going to bring next week Oh, it's because I don't. Be good. I don't. We always big. like hearing compass. I do, news. and I just I don't have a lot to look forward to this week. So I'm going to look forward to Jesse's news report next mm. week. Well, I can give you a little preview throughout the week. No, if you I would want. rather wait and just lay it on me all at once. Just one, yeah. all at once. All right. Okay. Good to know. All righty, guys. This week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. So, guys. Got a question for you. Where is your one-stop shop for high-powered motors, upgrade performance parts, and of course, some sexy bling for nearly any model of heli? Definitely KDEDirect.com. That's right. So whether you want to turn your heli into a performance machine, or you just wanted to stand out a little bit, visit KDEDirect.com for all your upgrade needs. What did you learn this week? Well, I won't say I learned it. I was reminded. Yeah? Very blatantly reminded of it. You know, just as uh, as I kind of did that little slap in the face with the icon. and uh, You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person where I'm not too big to admit when I am outclassed, undereducated, whatever you want to call it. You know, we had the the discussion with the RC Fly guys, which thanks again, guys, for coming on. You know, we really appreciate that. I, I was, you know, very blatantly reminded that f- for me, and, th- and this is for Nick. I'm not speaking for, you know, the nation or anyone else. This is just for Nick. I have strengths and I have weaknesses. One of those weaknesses is I, I really don't, Like, I could teach someone how to fly from the ground up and never, ever even get a sliver of frustration or teach someone how to tune a flap out of the system or an engine or nothing. Nothing frustrates me uh, in that aspect. I don't like politics and laws. It is not my thing. I have zero patience for it. Um, it, It's just... Not something that I have any personal at this point in my life, and maybe that'll change, you know, when I get a little bit older. But I just don't, I don't have a, 
you know, desire to be involved in it. I, I'm very, very uneducated on it. I mean, I actually go out of my way to not be educated on it because I, I know going in that I just don't have the patience for it. And I was reminded very quickly, you know, I, I, I let myself kind of slide into that. And, you know, and I had m- made the comment about, you know, AMA not covering you if you weren't on a, a field. And quite frank, and I got an email. You know, I know we received a, more than a few of them. Well, that's not true, this and that. And I'm even to the point where I didn't even go find out if I was right or wrong. Because I just don't want to get involved with that. So I I wanted to give everyone an apology. You know, I'll I'll stand my ground and I'll dig my heels in when it's technical stuff. And and I do, it's very, very important to me that if you are going to talk about something, you know, especially to the amount of people that listen to this show and we want the information, you know, or I want the information that I give to be accurate. I really do. And I let myself slide into that discussion and it was basically like walking into something completely uneducated and completely unarmed <laughs> and with without that true desire to to really change that. So, uh I was I was wrong on that aspect. I'm not going to fold over on the perception thing though. Because perception, I get. Like, I understand. I know being a guy on the outside, I know there are a lot of people like me who just, uh, you know what, we just want to fly. I mean, we want to fly. We want to tweak. I don't want to worry about that. I want the people that are good at that stuff and that have those strengths and that enjoy that portion of, you know, any hobby to do what they do. I, I still feel the same way that I felt. Um, because that's that's my perception, but I just wanted to let everyone know that I did not have any technical backing for what I said. Um, I can't prove what I said, and and I uh, I will retract that statement and just not let myself get involved with those ones anymore. It's not my thing, man. Well, first off, good on you for being big enough to admit when you're when you're in the wrong. I, I respect that a lot. I tend to hold myself the same way, and unfortunately, there are too few people that do. But, I, you know, I agree. The, the perception thing, like we said before, perception is, a, is reality. And you know what? Even if the perception comments that are made can be taken by some as uninformed or even offensive, if it gets people thinking if if it if it gets one listener to wake up and say huh you know what i never thought about that let me go out and do the research on my own let me figure out what ama has done and what they haven't done let me go and educate myself about the laws and about the guidelines that ama provides and maybe even get involved with the AMA or get involved with RC Fly, then I think the job has been done correctly. Absolutely. I mean, if, yeah. you know, if me sitting here and makes a, a bold statement, you know, and, the, and this is just an opinion, but if I, if I were to make a statement like, I don't feel like 
uh, I don't feel like AMA is doing enough in this aspect of the hobby. And if they are, which I did say that a bunch of times, if they are, I, I mean, I have no idea. Now, if that statement is completely wrong, that's okay. I want that person at AMA to go, well, that's absolutely not true at all. We're doing this, this, and this, and this. But I also want that maybe that one guy to say, well, you know what? We are doing this, this, and this, but maybe we're not doing a good enough job of keeping everyone else informed. And if if that sparks that thought for one person somewhere, then then it's a win. It, it accomplishes something. There's there's nothing wrong with getting in there and you know sticking your finger in there and stirring the pot up a little bit. It it, it gets people motivated, and it's not something that you know I try to do, but. As we've all learned, I've gotten some pretty stinger emails ever since I got involved with RCL Nation. And even the ones where it's like you get all the way down to the bottom and you're thinking, man, that guy's just a, you know, what a dick. <laughs> There's still something that can be learned in that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and yes, the whole, the majority of the email might be completely unjustified, but there might be one little piece in that message that you can say, you know, all right, yeah, I got you. I hear what you're saying. That's how I work anyway. This is, uh, this is, this puts me kind of in a strange place because as you guys know, and as our listeners now know, um, I am involved with RC fly at a, at a pretty intense level. Been working with these guys for quite some time. And I, I, I'm not going to argue semantics with anybody. And we've talked, uh, the guys and I have talked, and and we all feel like it was a learning situation. We all wish that those points would have been articulated a little better. Unfortunately, when you talk politics, accuracy is subjective. And it is open to interpretation. And it's amazing to me how two people can read the same document and come to two differing opinions. And that happens. And mm-hmm. we're okay. I'm yep. okay with that. And that's fine. I think that's why I struggle with it so much. Because I'm yeah. the thing about it is, and this is the part that is really frustrating for me. And this is a hard this is hard for me because the political side of what we're trying to do is such a small part a necessary part and the other guys uh you know we had Quinn and Steve on they handle the political stuff that they they may think differently than I do about this topic they may think that my passion with RC fly is a small part but see that's what makes a collective of people make something really good. If they all feel what they are passionate about is what makes the organization great because everybody's working hard to see to it that what they their passion is, it's just like us here, guys. I mean, in that aspect. We all feel like we have our strengths and our passions. And collectively, that's what makes us what we are. Same situation 
with the RC Fly thing. Now, I will just say my passion with RC Fly, and this is the frustrating part, I think the backbone of what RC Fly is has nothing to do with an us versus them. Because we're all, we're all in the same game. And we want to work together. And we should work together. But my passion is local, grassroots, community outreach to people, everyday people that know nothing about our hobby and to help them understand what it means to us. I think that's, that is the beautiful part of what we are trying to do there. That, you know, politics suck. Take it for what it's worth. That's the way I feel. I just don't like dealing with politicians and, and politics because politics by nature is back alley dealing to make your agenda move forward. And it's never straight talk. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the nature of the game. But I just want to, I, I, I take exception to you guys thinking that you were wrong because I don't think you were wrong. And that's okay. That's my opinion. What it boils down to is I don't want this to get muddled up because I think that having people that want to get involved in the hobby at any level, especially in your community where you live, that's gr- that's a great thing. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> and that's what yeah. I feel is the essence, the soul, the driving force. Local outreach and education. Politics are just part. <laughs> it's a nasty part of every of everything when you're dealing with with one group's perceived violation of their particular rights versus another and you know and as it was pointed out none of this is a right we don't none of this is all a privilege but but we have this privilege and we want to fight to continue this privilege and i don't want to get wrapped i don't want to get muddled up in and it's not an us versus them and that's really all i have to say about it i don't uh i don't necessarily disagree with uh, that, that was a fantastic email we got. By the way, huge learning experience. I do agree, though, with you guys that it's important to present both sides of the story. So, I personally would like to offer an invite, and I'm sure you guys would be okay with it, to anyone from the AMA that would like to come on our show and ad- oh, and address those Ooh, issues. Yeah. Without a doubt, dude. Yeah, this I, I is would, not about us versus them not. or anyone versus no, anyone. No, 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 no. It's no. about what can we all do as a community to become better informed and help better inform people yeah. who are not in the community. So I hope that yeah. clears come, up. Come teach the dummy. <laughs> come teach That's the this dummy. Guy. <laughs> come teach the... Well, everyone has their place, right? And I mean, like you said, it's all about contributing... You know, doing doing a part in the hobby. Absolutely. Uh, that's not my part. My, you know, I'm the guy that's out at the field helping 
keep everyone else's shit flying. <laughs> you know, and, and teaching that—that's what I do. That's my—that's my part. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but there's people that do this part of it. Great, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's about working together. Um, and you can't. Here's the thing that sucks about what we do. There, there are no redos. Yeah, you got good. it. So that's man. enough of that. Yep. Friggin that's awesome. enough of that bullshit. Let's move on to something bigger and better. Huh? Let's teach somebody oh, yeah. something. What do you think? Let's do it. You know, Justin, I might be just a tad bit biased, but I couldn't help but notice that Helipros has the new miniature aircraft 700EX in stock. You're absolutely right, Nick. And it's good to know that not only is the heli made in the USA, but it's backed by the awesome support that we know and love from the guys at helipros.com. And remember, fly hard. Helipros has the part. So, so you guys, uh, you guys, you guys got a topic, don't you? You guys have something you want to talk about this week? We do. What is it? Yeah, we got some. People asking some questions. Tell me all about it. What what you got? The big question. What is the big question? Why? Big question is, why would you stretch a heli? Why? Because... Why put bigger blades on? <laughs> because you can. Because you can. Which... Yeah. For the record, in this hobby is a very legitimate and almost technically accurate answer. (laughs) In some cases, all that's needed. Absolutely. No, but it's, you know, we've, there, there is a undeniable trend now with this new, man, it's like a new pseudo 450 class. All the new ones that are coming out. You are not cool unless you are slinging at least 350s and, and running on 6S. And, but, you know, why? Why Why go from 325s to 350s? I mean, there, there were some of us that were doing this two years ago. You know, I remember when the 450 Pro came out. It was like immediately, I got to stretch this thing. People were making their own torque tubes out of arrow shafts and you know mm-hmm. recrimping and loctiting ends back on we were doing that stuff a couple of years ago and, and so why why do you guys think that it's become like the mainstay now i i've got an idea um i think i think i and this could be way off base but i think there's a couple of reasons first there's that perceived notion that that bigger is better and I think on top of that, that you have, I can make this thing bigger without buying a new helicopter because I already own this helicopter. Mm. Very valid point. Yeah, I think the bigger is better is a is a big part of it. Everyone always wants to move move to the next size. Oh, I got a 500. Well, what would it be like if it was a 550? Oh, I got a 550. What would it be like if it was a 600 or a 700 or a 750 or an 800? And so that sort of, I guess, the the material draw behind having a larger item is, is a big portion of it. But 
I think for those people who have enough experience flying and and I don't I don't mean that it has to be someone that's throwing down and beating the crap out of it like Bert or one of the pros but who has flown enough helis and has tried different things, different setups, different heli sizes, blades, weights, you start to gain an appreciation for the effects of the blade disc on how a helicopter feels in the air and how does it respond to certain inputs. And so when you've got a really nice airframe that's solid, it's it's rigid, it's stiff, it's got all the right features, you love the way the batteries load, so on and so forth, instead of coming up with an, a completely brand new heli, why don't we see if we can add a longer tail boom to it so that we can swing bigger blades and see how it goes from there. I think it depends, uh, like, I don't know. I, I think it's it's different for the the size, if that makes any sense. So going from 325s to 350s, like on a 450 class, dude, it made it fly <laughs> so much more stable. I mean, I've said it before. People have heard me say it. My, my warp flies like a T-Rex 500 as far as stability goes. So I think for that class... That's the reason. It's to get the extra, it's to make it fly bigger, you know, more stability. Um, I think you get in when you start getting bigger, you know, 600 stretching to seven, seven stretching to eight. I think that's where it turns into that just because I can type thing or just because bigger is better. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you, you look at something like the warp, I mean, let's 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 put some numbers to it here, okay? You're taking a 450 that swings 325s, and you're stretching that to 350s or 360s. That the amount of additional blade length that you have added in proportion to the total length of blade is a significantly larger amount than 690s to 710s or oh, yeah. 520s yeah. to 550s okay mm-hmm. increasing the blade length by 30 or 40 millimeters is a greater than 10 percent increase in the in the diameter of the disc that's yep. gonna have a huge effect on how these helis fly and and for those who've tried the different size blades at the larger in the larger classes, you know that it also plays a role, but you're never going to see as significant of of a difference as you do in these smaller helis. Yep. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. I'm sure there are uh, a portion of people out there that look at it the way, Justin, you are looking at it right now. Because I know you analytically look at pretty much everything you do, right? Yep. I think... That there is a large portion of people out there that do it just because and to be different. To show up at the field oh, yeah. with something yeah. a little bit different than everybody. Oh, is that is that what what it oh no, that's a stretch six hundred. Oh, that's mm. cool. Yeah, I know. I, I just thought I'd try yeah. it one day. I don't know. I think I, I I can't help but wonder they might build it. 
and then realize some type of flight performance increase or benefit. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but think that for the I just I just think that <laughs> that they they don't do it for that reason at first. They do it because they can and because nobody at the field is going to have this helicopter because this is unique. It's unique now. You know what I mean? I I agree with you 100%, dude. And in fact, if I were to do it, if and when I do it in the future, it would be a good portion of it motivated by that because it's just the cool factor, right? We're all we all nerd out over this stuff in some way. And so, yeah, I I completely agree. I really do. Yeah. I think once you get there though, you will realize that there are differences in the way the heli flies. And you may like the way it flies better or you may hate the way it flies. It it mm-hmm. really all depends on what the heli is and how exactly you're changing it. It seems to me that the type of people who end up uh, enjoying the differences and, and really liking it are the types that tend to fly, you know, a little smoother, a little lighter, you know, a lot more... Re- I'm not saying they're not doing 3D, but a lot more fluid, you know, uh, just a lot smoother, slower 3D type stuff. Yeah. Because you can, you by going up in blade length, you can reduce your head speed in some cases a lot. And, and still, so you're gaining a bunch of flight time. So then they get the benefits of gaining a bunch of flight time and the heli will feel so much lighter and it's so much just, it's like it, it kind of likes to do that style of flying. It's, it's just smooth and elegant and it reacts, it reacts a little bit slower. Um, and it's just real tailored to that. Whereas, you know, keeping it a little more compact, you, you, you keep that. Uh, that smackability of it, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, well, I think part of that is also too because, you know, when you're running the shorter blades to get it to respond, you're usually running a higher head speed. So you stretch the heli out a little bit, you drop your head speed. It kind of leads you towards that smoother type of flight style, just like you were talking about. Hmm. So let me ask you guys this: What portion of these guys that are doing these do you suppose? are doing it for a specific application. It's a purpose-driven stretch. A camera, maybe? Extra lift? Oh, yeah. Seven to 800, I would say that stretch, without without any question, would be very, very common for, yeah. like, an AP application where you're going to hang a big camera gimbal. Because, again, the, you know, part of it, is the the cost difference? The cost difference between seven and eight hundred is it's a pretty big yeah. leap. It's like a two x um, increase in price yeah. for blades, yeah. or it, almost nearly two times. Yeah, and the the stress that's put like on an AP heli is very. It, it's actually it's minimal in comparison to you know running it at twenty two hundred RPM, fifteen degrees of pitch, and just beating the tar out of it. <laughs> so you can do that. With most 700 class helis, longer boom, a little bit longer boom struts, run the longer blades. And it gets you into that, the stability and the carrying capacity, you know, of the of the 800 and the low head speed. 
to reduce vibration for AP. So it gets you into that platform a lot cheaper. I mean, a lot cheaper. And then I think a lot of people kind of like to dabble with that. Maybe they want to try something bigger, but, you know, like was stated earlier, it is the cheapest way to get that bigger size heli. I, right now, dude, I would kill for a freaking 800. I would love to have like a logo extreme sitting right on my bench. That'd be like, woo, daddy. <laughs> but, but you'd have to sell I mean, half of your fleet to afford it. Yeah. So absolutely. what do we do? Yeah. No, and if we chop up our helis and we stretch them, yeah. And if there was one of the helis that I had, if a manufacturer already offered a stretch kit for that, and I just wanted to try it, I would be all over it, and it would give me kind of an opportunity to get a to get a feel for it a little bit, and then make a decision that it was something that I wanted to add to my fleet or, or not. You know, it, it. I think it's kind of interesting. This is somewhat of a timely discussion because recently I saw on Facebook, uh, you guys know J.C. Zankel down in Arizona. Yeah. He's on Team mm-hmm. Gowie. Mm-hmm. And he's been posting a couple of videos recently of his own homemade Gowie X7 stretch that he's calling an X8 for obvious reasons, right? I, I can't remember what size blades he's swinging. I think they're... I want to say they're the spin blades, so they're either 750s or 760s, something along those lines. Anyway, he stretched this, and he put out a couple of videos of some nice, smooth, low head speed flying. Really impressive, and and I mean, for those of you guys who have seen the X7 in the air already, it's a very streamlined, long, skinny-looking heli. So it, it even emphasizes it more with the stretch. And apparently he got such a response from it that he's now posted today, or the, the day that we're recording at least, on Friday, uh, to see how many people would actually be interested in an official Gowie X8 conversion. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, there there is a draw to that sort of a thing. And again, it, it goes back to partially there, there are performance reasons for it. And the other half of it is, hey, that's cool. I want to try it. So, Jesse, would you ever consider stretching any, uh, I mean, one of yours? I don't know. I mean, not is. see, I'm kind of putting them in, in my mind. There's kind of two different categories. So there's like the, the 700, you know, that you're stretching up to either on the 750s or the 800 millimeter blades. But you're still getting all the cost benefits of the 700 size because you're stretching a 700. And then, mm. like we were talking about earlier, you have the the new 450s. I guess in in my mind, I'm not necessarily considering the. I mean, would would you guys consider the new class of 450s? Is that really a stretch of a 450? Because it is technically a whole new airframe design. And if you know, if you put it next to the previous sized 450s. I don't know. I mean, in in my mind, can you really call like, you know, obviously I'm going to default to the warp because that's physically in my hands. And I've seen it compared to, you know, an Align TRX 450 Pro. I think the warp's a lot bigger than like the X3 or the, the, what is it, the 450L. Mm -hmm. I I think that those are more traditional 450 size. Yeah. I think. So I, 
I mean, so where I was going, I, I kind of lean more towards if I think if I was going to get an 800, I would want to get an 800, kind of like, you know, getting a three, a, a, a 450 that runs that size of blades by an airframe that's that's for that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that's kind of my opinion. Though. You bring up a really good point. So, Dan, how are you liking that electric power? You know, Nick, I am enjoying the electric power. And I got to tell you, even a guy that's an advanced sport flyer like myself, I can tell you that the difference is very noticeable. And the only thing I can say is Genzace batteries, they are leaving the other guys green with envy. What's the difference between the two when you really think about it? You take an Align 700 and you stretch it to an 800. You're mm-hmm. keeping the same airframe, right? Yep. Same power system, likely the same batteries, but now you're hanging it under a larger disc. Yep. So the heli's going to fly differently, right? Yep. Why? Well, you know, disc loading. Ah, disc loading. Disc loading. Right. So that's the that's the magic. That's the magic mm-hmm. statement right there. The disc loading is going to change. Whereas if you look at the Logo Extreme, which is an 800, you can also get it in 700 size as well, but we're talking yep. about 800s here. That heli is a purpose-built 800 from the ground up, and as a result, it's designed to fly 800 size blades or 750s. It's heavier. It's designed to run a 14S power system. And so it's likely going to come in at an all-up weight that is greater than an Align 700 stretch. Therefore, losing some of the advantages of the stretch, like you were saying, the lighter disc loading. Mm -hmm. If if you view lighter disc loading as an advantage. uh, Yeah, exactly. So this kind of takes you into the a little bit more of the, the technical and the engineering side of it. So... To start out, what is disc loading? I'll take that question. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thank you, Justin. Uh, so uh, you are on such a so roll. What, I was just waiting. Yeah, was... What disc loading is is it is a it's a parameter that we calculate that tells us how many kilograms of helicopter are distributed distributed across a unit area of the rotor disc okay usually it's in pounds per square inch kilograms per square meter and what it's a it's a performance parameter it's used in full-scale helis as well but it can be used to great advantage in my opinion in rcs because it gives us a figure of merit it gives us a number that we can now start to use as a comparison when we're looking at different helis or when we're looking at the same heli with different setups. And yes. so the way you calculate it, it's it's not too bad at all. It's some simple geometry. You got to know your the the radius or the diameter of your head. And when I say your head, I mean the actual head block. So from the center of the head block on the main shaft all the way out to the bolt hole that your blade bolts through. So that's the center to bolt length. 
You also need to know your bolt to tip length on the blade, which is the standard, you know, 710, 690, 695 number in millimeters. And then you need to know the all up weight of the heli. Um, and basically what you do is you take the weight of the heli and you divide it by the area of the disc. Pi R squared, right? You've got a radius yeah. from your head and your blade, and you get a number in kilograms per square meter. What does that mean for you? Okay. What it what it's typically used for is to judge relative agility and the feel of the heli during flight low disc loading like we're talking about this is something you're going to see if you take a light heli and you put it on big blades it's usually so so we started with the math of it let's talk about the feel of it it's usually described by people as floaty or feels slow feels smooth it likes to hang in certain maneuvers hang hang hanging time. okay and floaty hang and floaty are the same thing yes now it can be boggy, okay, if you don't watch yourself because you got bigger blades and for the same head mm. speed and the same pitch range, you got a whole heck of a lot more load there on the power system. Mm -hmm. Super snappy under power, right, but sensitive to small errors and stick commands, again, because you got more total area that you're applying the force to. They, You'll typically hear people say that these types of helis are not as easy to fly, quote-unquote, in a box. So hardcore smack flying on the deck. They're usually more suited to big air or smooth, slow 3D. And they love autos. <laughs> it, it, In my opinion, it's, it's kind of hard to beat uh, T-Rex 700 Nitro swinging 710s. In autos. At the end of, At a, the tank. End of yeah. a tank. When, in autos. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> you got what, like a nine and a half or ten pound heli hanging underneath a massive disc and it just yep. floats forever. Same reason why I've, I mean, I can still to this day out auto myself on a nitro versus electric. And it's the difference of nine and a half pounds at the end of a tank or 12 pounds. At the end of a yep. tank, swinging the same size blades. Duh. You got it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So so let's name off some of the helis just real quick so people can relate uh, that we feel would be considered in this light disc loading category. So, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, again, it's all customizable. You choose what blade mm -hmm. you want to put on it. But some of the lighter disc loading helis out there, the classical one for me are the Logos. Yep. Okay, Logo yep. 600, 600 SE, especially. Uh, yes. running um, 690s with a nice light, maybe a Contronic power system, light motor, light ESC, small set of packs, mm -hmm. the, and it's a plastic airframe. The thing is just, it's it, to this day still, unlike any other heli that I've flown in terms of that floaty like a feather hang time yeah six hv the original one yeah oh there you go yeah oh man that are you kidding that that little that almost should have been called like a <laughs> uh it, it was basically what looked like a stretched 500 550 or a 500, or 500 yeah. <laughs> yeah 
you know, six tens on there with very, very, very lightweight. And uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, well, Jesse, you, you take, well, what yeah, was it very, like flying it? Very, very floaty, very snappy, responsive. I mean, yeah, exactly like you described. But again, for, you know, that floatiness can be when you get it to the head speed, you know, where you get the, the overall pull, like the full pull speed out of it that you want, it's so sensitive around center that it's it, it just wants to hang. It's like it wants to stay up in the air rather than come down, and that can be uh, a lot more challenging yep. to fly in that box. Pros and cons to both. So, so mm-hmm. okay, now let's talk about high disc loading. Not surprisingly, the opposite of low, these helis tend to feel heavier in the air. Uh, they lack the hang time that a low disc loading heli has. But as a result, they tend to feel more controlled during high agility maneuvers. Okay. In other words, box flying, throwing down mm-hmm. on the deck, mm-hmm. keeping it close, keeping it tight. Okay. Yep. Um, they also interestingly enough, tend to feel like they have more inertia coming out of a maneuver than the low disc loaded heli because they've got less disc behind the load uh, to stop or to change, uh, change directions there. So it gives you less sensitivity to the small errors and the stick commands. Um, You can usually look a lot cleaner uh, for the same set of expo and throws if you yep. lower your, your disc area, right? Not mm-hmm. all that great at auto rotations, relatively speaking. But, you know, we all know you can still auto a T-Rex 700 on 690s great. Yeah. The thing that it comes down to, guys, though, is that it's all about personal preference. You know, you do the math, you get a number, that's great. You can use that to compare back and forth between your helis or between a given heli with different blades or between you and your friends. But at the end of the day, don't try to force yourself into a box of, I need this disc loading on on every heli. Different helis fly differently. Having that number, I I mean, that can can save you so much time because, I mean, it's... It's actual math. So you can sit here and say, okay, I've got my helicopter. You know, oh man, it, it feels a little bit, it feels too heavy to me. I would like to lighten it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. What am I going to get more out of? I mean, what am I going to feel more? Is it going to feel mm-hmm. better for me to drop um, maybe from 5,300 milliamp packs to, to 44s? Mm-hmm. Is that going to make more of an impact or would going up to 710s? I mean, which one? And uh, truthfully, unless you're going to do the math on that, you're going to spend the money to find out. To figure out. it out. You got it. Yeah. Absolutely. You got it. So you can, and, and we have, man, me and Justin and Jesse, we have done this, use this method out at the field over and over again with combinations. I mean, you guys know, look at the trend in blade size. It used to be a couple of years, you know, even a year ago, everyone flew 690s. It was 690s on a 700 class. Mm-hmm. That's what you flew. But 
that was also back in the day of the 700 MX motor, you know, where that was it. Super, super light motor. You've got lighter packs because they were lower C rating. Now, all of a sudden, you get these new helis that come out. Okay, X7s, Elise, stuff like that. We put 45, 30 motors in them. Now, these things aren't, they're not coming in at 11 and a half pounds like they did when they started. <laughs> we're creeping 12 and a half. Then you throw a backup guard on it and a Castle 160. Oh, God. I for mean, good, for good measure. You're easily over 12 pounds. Yeah, so now you're into the potentially, you know, up to like the 13-pound mark. Well, guess what? Yeah. Those 710s that weren't even, I, I mean, that you did. no one flew 710s except the, guy, you know, the old Planker-style guys who just sport flew around. <laughs> but now, again, it's too heavy. It falls like a rock. You can't auto it all that well. So, hey... We'll go up in blade size, get that disc loading number back to where it was originally. You got it. Yeah. Hey, hey Justin, I got one quick question about the uh, the math. Why why don't we consider the cord width of the blade? Aha. Because technically that can affect... I mean, I know you're calculating the area from the tip, so mm-hmm. you're calculating a circle. But if you were to just calculate the area you know, of the blade your cord could actually change that for how much, you know, for what area you're actually hanging that weight from. Yes, sir. It's almost as if it was scripted. But the disclaimer is it wasn't <laughs> scripted. Um, Not at all. <laughs> that, that, that is actually a really great question, Jesse. So when we do the disc loading calculation, we're calculating what we really call swept area. In other words, oh, okay. what area? what is the area swept out by mm-hmm. a blade doing a full 360-degree rotation. Assuming a solid disc, basically. Now, what the disc loading gives you is a feel for, the relative feel for how the heli is going to fly overall. But what you're pushing at now is something called rotor solidity. It's not something that most people know about. It is a performance parameter in full-scale helis, But I actually use this one a lot personally because it doesn't give you this number does not give you uh, the same sort of uh, approach to the performance of the heli. Disc loading gives us overall feel. Is it floaty? Is it heavy? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. is it uh, sensitive to small errors and stick commands? Is it not? So on and so forth. What if you want to get a measure of the relative feel of the heli when you apply power? Okay, yep. now we're talking about how much actual uh, aerodynamic area we have. And and guys, you know, as with everything, we got to make simplifying assumptions here. When we're comparing two completely different blades with different airfoils, with different span-wise cord distributions, all that kind of stuff, it's never going to be perfect. But this gives you a, sort of a top level, a first-order feel for things. So what what if you wanted to say, how do I get the same pull out of my heli with two different blades by just changing the collective pitch range? Okay? That sounds like a pretty reasonable question to ask ourselves, right? I'm changing head speed or I'm changing blades. Uh, How do I still get that same sort of aggressive feel? 
So we got to calculate solidity. Solidity, I'm not going to say the actual equation right here because it's a little bit more complicated. Um, but what I'm going to do for you is before we get this up on the air or at the same time, I'm going to have a tech tip posted that goes over this so that you guys can actually do the math. Qualitatively, solidity is what portion of the total disk area is actually made up of physical blade. Okay, so it's now now we're getting we're getting a dimensionless ratio. Okay, so 10% of the total disk area is physical blade. That could be a number. So higher solidity is obviously going to give you much more power delivery, much more abrupt power delivery. Sorry, very snappy for the same collective pitch range and head speed. But it's also going to be boggier and it's going to draw more power for the same flight. So it's less efficient. Okay. Lower solidity, smoother, sometimes delayed power delivery from the same pitch range and head speed won't bog as readily, though, and is less power hungry. Okay. So <clears throat> what we want to do here. If if we look at it from what do we care about for full-scale helis, it's a little bit different. If you're doing a full-scale heli design, full-scale heli designers usually want to minimize solidity because it reduces how heavy your rotor is, right? Less blade means less mass, means lower stresses on the system, more efficient power delivery, so on and so forth. We don't care about it in these things. These helis are so freaking overpowered. <laughs> compared to their full-scale uh, relatives that you just don't worry about it. So here, here's, a, here's a little example, okay? Um, let's look at, let's look at using a heli that weighs 11 pounds, okay? And you want to look at Radix 690s with a 64-millimeter cord, Align 690s with a 60 millimeter cord and Radix 710s with a 64 millimeter cord. Okay, so if we do the math on this here, the Radix 690, so remember Radixes have larger cord width, the aligns are skinnier cord. Okay, if you look at the, to the two Radixes, okay, 690s and 710s. Their solidity is 5.9% and 5.7%. Their disc loading is 3.3 and 3.1 kilograms per square meter. Follow me on the numbers here. Look at the align now. 690s with the skinnier cord. Their disc loading is the same exact number as the Radix 690s because all it cares about is the length of the blade, the size of the disc, 3.3 kilograms per square meter. But the solidity is only 5.5%. So the solidity, you mm -hmm. don't, you get information out of the solidity number that you do not get out of disc loading. And from that, mm -hmm. if you just did that math, you could conclude that uh, the aligns may feel similar in terms of floatiness or aggressiveness in the air as the Radix 690s, but they're not going to pull it hard as hard for the same pitch and the same head speed as the Radix 690s. So you got to either increase softer. your head speed 
or increase your pitch range to get them to pull the same as the Radixes. Yeah, right, yep. Dan. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pie. Yeah, pie squared. Pie. Pie squared. <laughs> Cherry. I know it's a lot of technical discussion, and probably half the listeners are asleep at this point. But I honestly think that it's useful math. It's not difficult math. Don't get freaked out. We're not doing calculus or anything like that. This is standard high school stuff, maybe even middle school, depending on where you went and what you did. Um, and and like not- Nick said. Jesse and Nick and I have used this to great advantage in the past and yeah. saved, I think, at least in Nick's case, um, I've seen him save a lot of money by doing the math as opposed to going and buying three sets of blades and four sets of batteries and figuring it out himself. Yeah, the the whole, you know, uh, for me, it's been motor, ESC and batteries. And that's, you know, it's really hard. It's like, man, why why does this one heli just feel, you know, so much different? Well, if you've, you know, by the time you add up the differences in weight on a 120 versus a 160 speed controller. And, you know, one has a, uh, you know, like a, a 750MX motor in it. And the other one's got a 4530 in it. And one's got 60 C-packs and the other's got 30. Mm-hmm. You start adding up all that stuff and it's like, wow, it, it really does amount to a big difference. <laughs> um, and, and so you might think in your mind, well, I fly 690 or I fly 600s, or I fly whatever. That's my blade size. That's not really the case. It's, you know, do the math, match up the numbers. You might find that on that particular helicopter, the heavier one, you want to put 710s on it, and hey, what do you know? Now they fly the yeah. same, and then you're back Doesn't to fly like a brick. Perfect example. <laughs> my gasser. Okay? I love Compass 700 millimeter blades, and I fly them on my Goblin, and I fly them on my 7HV, and I fly them on my Nitro, and then I get to the Gasser. And the <laughs> thing weighs about a pound and a half more than those other helis, and the disc loading is a, is quite a bit higher as a result, and you can feel the difference. It kind of feels like a busted turd compared to them. Um if it were up to me and the power plant could handle it, I'd put freaking 950s on the damn thing. That's how big of a difference it makes. So, yeah, you can't you can't just say, well, okay, I've been running 690s on everything else. Let me throw 690s on a heli that's a pound and a half heavier or even a half a pound. It does make a difference. Ooh, I have one more thing. And this is why you actually want to do the math and don't just ballpark it. Rotor head diameter. Justin yes. now owns, and yeah. will learn this, that particular helicopter that you are putting together yep. has an extremely narrow head on tiny, it. Tiny, tiny head. <laughs> hate that. <laughs> Sorry. That's a, just, yep. Just I'm never going to gonna be like able that. to hear that and not laugh. That's rough. Yeah. But, um... I am could not figure out when I had my rave why I didn't care why I didn't care for it on six nineties. And I also thought that it was really weird that Nick Maxwell always flew his on seven tens. 
because that went against everything at the time that we all thought. Well, it's because of the narrower the narrower diameter on that rotor head and you put seven tens on it and it's the same disc as like a T-Rex 700 on 690s. Yep. Hey, what do you know? That's why you've got to use the head dimensions as well. You cannot just use the blade. Well, and Dan, mm. I've heard I've heard you say that you did not like uh your 700 Nitro on 710s. Hated it. Like you just didn't like the way that it flew. Hated it. Why did you what what about it did you hate, Dan? It autoed real well. I like that. It didn't feel as crisp as the 690s. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And that's that you know, I just started flying the the Radix and uh they the the Maverick 710s is what I had. They felt too floaty. They felt too blah, you know? Didn't feel locked in. Mm-hmm. Kind of all over the place. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've I've kind of found in, in my experience too though that, you know, you take the same exact heli and let's say you you haven't done out the math. You're just going to try, you know, 690s one flight, 710s the next. There is a little bit of retuning that does need to happen on the fly barless unit. It's um and I noticed this going from 690s just up to the 700s because originally I tried the Compass 700 blades and I hated them. But I kind of reason being is it was one of those, you know, sporadic out at the field, throw a set on, quickly go do a flight. Heli's bobbling around and, you know, all that stuff. So I found also, which I don't know if you did or did not retune Dan, but tweaking some gains can make, you know, can make a difference in that stuff too. Yeah. And you ha- you do have mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. That's a really good point. I had Jesse. to retune my fly barless when I switched to the Compass Seven Hundreds. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing I think you really have to consider if you're, you know, a whole stretch thing is parts. <laughs> Do you, you know, it's was- all fun and games to make parts <laughs> if there aren't any the first time, <laughs> but after the fifth crash, after a crash, <laughs> it's not so fun at a fun fly when you know. There are no other parts because uh, you made half of yours. That That's no fun. Um, and then just can the helicopter, you know, what do you want to do with it when you get it stretched? And is the heli tough enough to, to take, you know, the larger disc? So there it is, guys. There's the math. There's the, there's the method behind the madness of deciding what it is or how you're going to stretch, if you're going to stretch, and what kind of blades you're going to fly. I want to make a few mentions. The hats. Yes. I didn't get my hat yet. What's up with that? Dude. Oh, dude. The horse <laughs> must have thrown a shoe. Did you shortchange Dan, man? No. no. <laughs> I sent his out. A stinking donkey. <laughs> they, the horse must have thrown the shoe on the way to the, from the post office. No. I've been yep. seeing pictures on Facebook. People have been getting them. So I know that I know they're out there. Exist. Yeah, they do exist. Yeah, they do exist. And I actually have a, I have a little pyramid of them here. Yeah. So I, I've got a little bit of a stockpile, which is good. Mm-hmm. Also, too the the uh, shirts. We're gonna be. I know we keep saying we're gonna be doing an order soon, and we are gonna be doing an order soon. I've been getting a ton of emails about those. I mentioned um, if you think you might be wanting kind of a odd size 
whether it's a large one or a small one. And when I say large, I mean a big, big one or a small, small one. Be sure to let me know because we probably won't be ordering much of those odd sizes and it'll just make it a lot easier if I kind of have an idea uh, that I need to throw in a couple larger sizes or smaller sizes into the order. Uh, hoodies. It's about time to start that pre-order, I think. We're not going to let that one go long. Probably, what, three weeks? What do you guys think? Three weeks, four weeks? I don't know. I'd say I'd say yeah. give them a nice round four weeks. You know, a month. Yeah, the idea being you're going to know when we start it the day we're going to put the order in. So then you got to assume that we need a week or two to get them back from the printers and a week for shipping, depending upon where you're at. Um, yeah. So look for that. And, uh, you know, we might, we might have, I don't know, Nick, are you, are you, are you going to be able to get a long sleeve T type shirt put together? What do you think? I think we can probably do something. Yeah. Like Cause that. I've got a few guys asking about those. I know I want one. Uh, so we'll probably be looking at, Doing something like that as well. I mean, it's winter and all. I've got to cover up. God, I hate winter. I hate winter. I live. It's in- getting cold, man. <laughs> so so random. A t-shirt. I hate winter, I do, man. I tell you, totally off topic. But I was driving to work in the morning the other day, and I passed by a bank here in town, and uh, twenty-two degrees. It's too soon for twenty-two Jeez. degrees. That's cold. It's perfect if it's in Celsius. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, winter sucks, and, uh, you know, it is what it is, but we'll get through it. Facebook creeping up there, dang near 2,500. Gotta like that. Seriously, go like Love that. It. Yeah. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> go. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's about it. Uh, the forums are, are picking up. Uh, you know, it's that time of year. The flying's kind of... Well, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, anyway, the flying's kind of slowing down. People are spending a little more time on the forums, that kind of stuff. Uh, Definitely also to our chat box. Always somebody there. There's always somebody there to chat with, to talk about helis. It's a lot of fun. And on that note, should you want to get in touch with one of us, you could send us an email. I'm going to switch things up a little bit. Jesse, if I wanted to get in touch with you, Yes, <laughs> finally. How would I do it that? It finally happened. <laughs> no, if, if you did want to get in touch with me, shoot me an email at jesse at rchelionation.com. Justin's next. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to get in touch with me, you could send me an email at justin at rchelionation.com. Then there's Nick. Yeah, you could send one to me at nick at rchelionation.com. I am Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelionation.com. Dan K. Reed on the forums. And also, too, I mentioned uh, Dieter's email address is working now. Dieter at rchelionation.com. Drop him a line. I keep saying we're going to get him back on the show, but I think I'm just going to keep saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Uh, Ouch? Yeah, wow. We're going to get him on. Also, too... We also talked about getting Rachel Plant on, and I we were kind of I I got you know it's uh, it's been tough the last I'm not gonna lie it's been tough the last few weeks and um, uh, it, we 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 are gonna get her uh, you know and on top of everything else the time difference but uh, she definitely is gonna be coming on the show soon hopefully maybe we can round up an interview with her this week 
and play it next week. We'll definitely let you guys know when that's going to happen. As always, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We will see you next Monday. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you in part by Heli Pros, KDE Direct, Progressive RC, and Jen's Ace Batteries. We thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.